0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: You're listening to Mavs Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away.
2: Welcome, everyone. We are live here. This is Mav Sports Take, episode 24, live here on NFL Draft Bible Twitter Twitch and YouTube. If you are checking out the Twitch over at NFL Draft5, you should make sure that you uh, subscribe there today because me and Mr. David Turner, who is here with me now, I'm going to introduce in just a second. We're going to start doing some live film sessions on Twitch. We're going to start to get a lot of great content out there. So again, I'm Ryan Roberts here, director of scouting NFL Draft5. I got 18 years scouting vet with the San Francisco 49ers, Carolina Panthers, New York Giants, Miami Dolphins and one more than <laughs> I, froze, I froze. I froze, but it's Mr. David Turner. How are we, David? I'm good. How are you tonight, Ryan? Everything well? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. It's, it's this is always a fun time, so we always know it. We have the Tuesday nights where where it's us, our people that are live, and we get to talk some football for about you know ninety minutes or so, give or take a give or take a two minutes there. So we are excited. We want to hit on a few things before we do. We want to let you know that we actually had originally planned. Uh, a really fun interview with Josh Johnson, who is an NFL quarterback. He's been in the league for a little while now. He's actually originally out of university of San Diego played under Jim Harbaugh there at San Diego. We were going to talk to him just a little bit about his playing career. And he also has started this ultimate gaming league, which we're going to find out a lot about, but unfortunately he was not able to make it tonight. Um, hoping everything's well with Josh and we'll hope to get him on next week, but definitely in the future, we'll probably have Josh Johnson on to talk everything um, in the gaming world and NFL world. So, Make sure to keep an eye out for that. Well, we do have you tonight. We know that the hot button topic for the last week or actually not last week, but well, the last week in regards to like what the NFL draft is going to look like. Now we know that the combine is going to either not be here at all or look very different at the very least. So we're going to talk about the combine, how it's going to affect the NFL draft world. The evaluation world, the scouting world, the players' world, the agents' world—we're coming from all angles in this unmuzzled sports take. Before we do, a couple hot button topics for today that we would be remiss if we didn't mention. A couple guys that David actually has worked with in the past, which is pretty fun and it's kind of a different, um, different perspective possibly that you can give us more than just you know an ordinary beat beat writer or a media member. Let us start with the one that broke most recent. Then we're going to work our way back. Before we do, we we get it, before we get into what we um, what we're doing tonight. We here at Maverick Sports Consulting would like to ask you to follow, subscribe, and take the chance to interact with us on our Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and our social other social media platforms. We are a company that is all about helping maximize your opportunities in front of you and your career. The only way we can support you is if we hear from you. Your takeaway from tonight's show should be that if you interact with us, we will find a way to help you in your career path. Reach out and we could do a Mavs episode on your topic, or we could circle back with you to help you with some individual attention. Don't wait. Reach out at Mavs underscore sports on all social media platforms. Also, check out Mavsportsconsulting.com. So we're really going to get into that service specifically when we talk about the combine. We want to talk about about Trent Bulky. So, David, we have been debating, what are the good spots for general managers? What are the good spots from head coaches? What is the NFL world going to look like going into the 2021 NFL regular season? And we now have a full picture what Jacksonville is going to look like because we know Urban Meyer is aboard. Still waiting on some assistance, obviously. But Urban Meyer is now the face of the franchise as the coach. And now Trent Baalke, who is the interim general manager, is – Taking over the full time reins as the general manager, a person that I knew that you were around a little bit early on in your scouting career. So, David, just from the early perspective, just give me a little, you know, one liner, not a one liner, give me some thoughts on this hire. Do you like it? Do, are you a little underwhelmed? What are your general thoughts on Trent Bulky sticking with the Jacksonville Jaguars on a full time basis? <laughs>
3: Well, this is almost like a come on, man. Same with the uh, the Texans one. It's like we could see this coming a mile away, right? Like they went through the process. And they, they walked through it, and then they stuck with the guy that was in the building. They brought in, <clears throat> I guess, to work with uh, Cantwell last year a little bit, and he's been there. He's gotten to know the owner and the owner's son, who I guess is was making himself a – pretty heavy part of this process this year. So, you know, for me, it was kind of like under underwhelming. Like, I think, uh, seriously Trent walked into a really great opportunity here because you got cap room, you got draft capital, and you got everything you need to turn it around. So, you know, and you would think since he was in the building and, and working there, he had something to do with the urban Meyer hire. And, you know, hopefully he signed off on it at least. And, that was his guy. I don't know how many guys though um being frank w- you know after urban took the job, how many people still wanted to go there because they figured urban was going to be running the ship, so I don't know how many candidates were really still die hard to go work under urban. you know here's the situation with Trent, you know he was obviously in the building and it was a it was a hire which I again he's got everything he needs to be mm-hmm. successful so you know i I, I, re- I wish him all the best and i hope yep. he can maximize each draft pick that they have and and all that cap space that they do have and you know that urban can get out on the recruiting trail and bring some guys there to <clears throat> fill the gaps cuz they got a lot of gaps there and they do, it's not just like a one player away type situation they they got a lot of gaps and a lot of things coming their way so that they got to fill and do so I, you know i wish them all the best in that one but i think him <clears throat> i think the three honestly that are like come on mans were Cesar um, – nick Casario, uh now Trent bulky and the next one that we're gonna talk about, Marty going up to Washington. Those were all, I think, the favorites going into the situations, and they're they're the ones that landed in those spots.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And I know, David, you being someone that was has been around Trent, I I think that maybe because you know Jacksonville fans know about like how you know San Francisco ended for them and they I'm sure they could hear things from a person that was around him. I feel like usually you have general managers that are either awesome with with evaluation. They know how to really attack the draft. They know how to build that way. There's other guys that kind of manipulate the cap and they're cap wizards, quote unquote. What type of general manager would you classify Trent Bulky as, as far as like his strengths as, as a front office member?
3: Well, Trent came up through the college ranks as an evaluator, you know, in green Bay, Washington. And then, um, you know, over in San Francisco, he learned from some of the best in the Scott McLuhan, and David McLuhan era and with those guys a lot he even lived up there by the and in, in Colorado and um, stuck close to them for much of his career. So, you know, up until the end in San Francisco, where he took over for Scott. So that that's a situation where, you know, I would say this is, again, a really good situation for his his set of knowing how to scout the draft and do things. The draft is obviously going to be a lot different. So some of his tools are going to be out of his toolbox that he would be able to do. And I'm not sure who he's going to put around him to help him in evaluating. Cause again, that's a staff that's been there for a long time. Right. <clears throat> that worked with Caldwell. Um, so who's he going to bring in? how I don't know who's going to come in and work with them, all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how he fills his room. Cause that's always a key to success. It, whether you're a coach, a GM or a personnel guy, it's who you put around you is often dictates how much sex, you're, uh, su- success you're going to have um, coming out of there. So, you know, I think Trent has an opportunity again, to be a really good in a really good situation and, and stuff here can play to his strength, which is built through the draft Get the you know young quarterback on a quarterback on a on a yeah, quarterback friendly, or I should say a, a rookie friendly deal, so mm-hmm. his cap won't be stressed for at least the first three four years, and then go from there. Um, you know, so he's got like I said, he's got all the tools. I, you know, I know in San Francisco, there was a power struggle between him and Harbaugh, which often, you know, weighed in on a lot of decisions because you're trying to give the coach somebody he wants, but you really want somebody else and, right. you know, different stuff's going on. So that was a, a hard working environment. And I just hope here you don't have that same thing with Urban and, and Trent. You know, I think Trent maybe has learned his lesson and, you know, he's walking into another situation where, you know, the coach is going to have a very heavy say in everything.
2: Well let, let's hope in the best because obviously he's falling into a nice situation like you highlighted man. There's a ton of cap room, a ton of flexibility. Rookie quarterback's going to be on it a, on, a, on a rookie deal for the first 4 to 5 years potentially. I know guys obviously ask for money a little earlier than that nowadays, but hey, you have some flexibility, you have con- some control there. Trent bulky wor- walks into what is a pretty good situation. I will say just on the outside perspective though. We'll see what happens with it, but Urban, like the possibilities that came in here, you're gonna have tr- Trevor Lawrence, and then I was like, wow, if you if you pair a nice general manager, maybe a young guy with a maybe a proven commodity as a coach, or maybe just a you know a, a just a good head coach of Canada in general, then you're gonna be in a good poten- potential situation to grow in that organization with all the assets they do have. I will say, Urban Meyer and trip bulky is a little underwhelming for me, to say the least. I know you say it's a come on man type of thing and. I agree. So moving on, the other general manager hire of the day coming to you again. We're on Tuesday, January 19th, here for this breaking news. If you are listening to us at a later date, we gotta talk about another guy that David's been around down in Carolina, Mr. Marty Herney, who is now taking over. He's following Ron Rivera to now the Washington football team. Uh Marty Herney had two stints as general manager for the Carolina Panthers. So this will be his. Technically his third job, even though it's really his second when you really think about it, but three different stints. David, I know you talked about it a little bit already. This one's a little underwhelming to me too, just a little bit. I know we talked about this though. Ron's going to have probably a lot more control than most coaches will as far as like that front office structure. But I don't know, man. I I'm, I don't think this one really like this – didn't, this didn't excite me at all, you know.
3: Well, you know, again, I know Marty, he is a class person, a class individual. He's somebody that when I was, when I got hired, I was hired under Dave Gettleman. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, Dave was let go and Marty had no reason to keep me on. I wasn't his guy. He could have made a switch out, but that's just not the way he does things. He kept me on. He let me do my time. And then when, when I walk walked, when I chose to walk away to go up to Canada and be the, the, the director, the uh, player personnel for the Canadian team. Um, you know, he was very supportive through my health and stuff issues that popped up while I was in Carolina, extremely supportive. I mean, he's a great human being and I, and you know and I'm happy for him that he landed on his feet and he landed with a coach that he knows. They know each other extremely well mm-hmm. <clears throat> they should be able to hit the ground running. And
0: <clears throat> sorry,
3: uh, much of the staff that left Carolina last year, landed up in you know up in um washington so like eric stokes who was the college director down in um carolina was went up left went up to washington um you know they have a pro scout donnie um he went up there they have uh jeez the cap guy Rob Rogers went up there, mm-hmm. so I mean this is just Carolina North right now, uh, gone up the gone up the turnpike a little bit, right? And, you know you hope they have the success they had in Carolina together, and you know they're able to find the you know Lou Kinkley's and the Cam cams and and that when they were together when they found so and were able to do, and you would imagine with some of the switchover going to happen in Carolina going up, you know, so the more player, more player personnel, scouts and stuff might make the migration up to uh, Washington and be part up there. So we'll see what happens with Scott Fitterer going into Carolina, who he keeps, who he lets go. And we'll see who um, Marty wants to bring with him and coach wants to bring up there from, from the old office. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know, again, it's, it's another one that we'll see what happens. Obviously the familiarity with Robert Vera and Marty Herney, I'm sure played, you know, Probably the biggest, <laughs> the biggest um, reason for this move. Uh, it's something that I'm sure he's going to be very comfortable with, and it's it's a structure that they've had before. So it's it's, it's well, it's a little different
3: because before Marty was really close with the owner, the old owner, and Marty were really close. Mm-hmm. So even though Dave and him worked well together, Marty still had the stick. Like he was, he was the guy, oh, um, right. and and then. Um, when it was time to be let go, Marty took care of all his guys. He gave them contracts and extensions. And so when Dave walked in the building, he worked with all the guys over there because there was a lot of money the owner didn't want to pay out. Which was again, it's how Marty is. He takes care of his guys. It's always been a great GM and somebody who you know loves to take care of his guys. So working for Marty Herney is a great spot to be in.
2: Yeah, and we want to really uh, move past the, the breaking news because we want to spend the majority of the first segment here talking about the 2021 NFL scouting combine which appears that it is going to be no more uh there is definitely going to be some changes we'll see if they get people in for weigh-ins and measurables and all the medical part of the uh of the event but it, it does not sound very promising one that there might not even be an event in general but at the at the least I think we might be looking at you know there's going to be no testing so now the the question is what's next? And there are so many angles that we need to tackle this from. And of course, this is about the players, first and foremost, because they're the people that are being directly affected the most, in my opinion. So let's talk from the player perspective, David. Now, we have seen now, this offseason, this draft cycle, after a crazy one during the 2020 NFL draft cycle, we, we have now seen NFL PA Bowl goes fully virtual. East West Shrine Games goes fully virtual. The Senior Bowl, it looks like they're going to play. Let's see what happens when everybody kind of gets in the doors. I'm sure they're going to do their best, and I'm sure they'll be fine. College Gridiron Showcase, we have the Hula Bowl. We have the Tropical Bowl. Not as much all-star opportunities, for one. We had a lot of abbreviated seasons. I mean, Ohio State made the playoff and only played six games. So we have a limited, limited scheduling as well. And now, potentially no combine. How, what are the biggest impacts to, to the players? Cause obviously we saw last year, how affected some players, well, a lot of players were for not one, not having, not having the ability to meet with teams. And then more importantly, to not be able to get their numbers and to get, you know, to have uh, those, those official height, weight, speed, those testing numbers, all the officials.
3: Well, in, in addition, if you look at the numbers from the draft class last year, I want to say out of the 256 or 53 draft players last year, <clears throat> a t- a 250 of them or something attended the, the NFL Combine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the Combine, you were able to get medical reports, full evaluations on a medical report on a player. You you're able to get full uh, measurables for, for those who took advantage of testing there. They were able to run their 40s and get those on the books. Um, so, and you had in-person interviews still last last year, where people walked in, shook your hand, you saw them, you talked to them, and it was a situation again where you were able to go through the whole cycle and make your impression on the on the powers to be. Now, right. without the all, without the All-Star Game circuit being a lot of in-person, how can we do measurables? How we know how can we trust the measurables? Because if it's going to be from a training facility, you know, who's at the training facility that we can trust that they're they're not going to be off or dramatically off. Do they right. know how to do an arm right? Do they know how to do a hand right? Oh, I've been in it 30 years. Doesn't mean you haven't been doing it wrong for 30 years. So, sure. <laughs> you know, why well, electric time this guy? Okay. Was it a pressure plate electric timer or was it a, was it a, was it a one that was started by somebody that I don't know? Was it a, you know, like what's the situations, how is it going all the stuff that you don't know is now thrown into decision-making one-on-one this year. So, you know, for a player, if you had a chance to go get measured and weighed, at least you got measured and weighed by, you know, an NS, NS, uh, a national scout or a Bledsoe scout. That's who, that's who does them at these combines and things. uh, Then, then you're good. But if you're, if you're one of these kids that didn't go to one of these bowl games or isn't able to go to one of these bowl games, and you know they're going to put a lot of pressure on the player to get this stuff, you know, kind of situated. And the schools, I talked to three schools today, mm-hmm. they're not being very helpful, and they don't intend to be very helpful
2: because so they don't, don't because they don't know what to expect. Like they're just trying, like they don't know how to help. You think, or is it just like this is an no? Problem. Because most of them, yeah, most of them, their their hands are tied. Right. Through local communities
3: or there's administration, they can't put on a pro day. Right? You know, All three schools I talked to today are not putting on pro days. One school only had one player coming out, so they're like, you know, we're not going to do it for him. He can find another one to go do it at because right. we're not going to do a pro day for him. Mm-hmm. Another school was like, we have a few guys, but our local ordinance won't allow us to put on a pro day for them. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we can't do it now. If we, and they said if the rules change down the line. You know, we're happy to have scouts on campus and and do it. But right now, our local ordinance is not one. And the third one was that the school will not allow them to do it. They checked with the schools, and the school has said no because you have to have them inside the building for the the two twenty five bench, the measurements, and then go outside. And it's going to be too cold for them to do it outside. You want to do it inside our facilities, and we're not doing that. Right. Right. so these cool these and again if they're not going to be able to test inside the facilities they're probably not going to be welcomed in to do their physicals and stuff inside the facilities so now they're gonna have to cart themselves around to different doctors with what a checklist and make sure these doctors check off on all the stuff that needs to be checked off on and then who are these doctors what are their credentials you know all that kind of stuff is gonna be coming into play so you'll see certain schools that are more helpful, Their players will get drafted higher and stuff just because the resume is complete. Like We talk all the time, Ryan, the boxes will be checked. Their boxes will get checked. Some of the smaller schools or schools that are like, hey, I'm not helping you because, A, I can't. My administration won't let me or the, the local ordinances won't let me. So then that puts them at the disadvantage and that player at the disadvantage. And, you know, some of these agents. Mm hmm. God love them. They, they just got really pressed out of a lot of money because, you know, these kids, you know, they don't have to declare now till March 30th. And, and it, honestly, I, I know Rick said something to me about, like, why don't we just go in February and try to put a combine ourselves together? Well, here's the thing. If a guy runs a four-something in February, <laughs> what kind of shape is he in when we have the draft in May or in June? Right. You know? Like they want to know the numbers closer to. That's why this has always worked because they can say at the combine he ran a four five five at his pro day. Three weeks later he ran a four four seven. So he's somewhere in the middle there. He's probably a four five zero guy. And mm-hmm. then you could go right into off season and different things. So he's in some kind of shape. But if you go throw a pro day together and do something in February, what you know, what kind of shape are you going to be in come June? Because honestly. A lot of these, a lot of these agents would love to get their guys tested as soon as possible, so they could pay stop paying for for, for training. training. Yep, absolutely. But then, what kind of what kind of shape is that kid going to be in walking into the NFL camp once the training's over? So it, it it has so many layers, and as we always talk about ripple effects, right? Yep. But this season, this this draft season alone is going to be so hard on the athletes. Because no, it, the support system is falling out it's falling apart on them.
2: yeah, and I, I would like to say anybody that's out there, I know we have a few people that are listening in. If you want to throw in any questions at any time, we're talking combine, NFL combine, potential of not being any NFL combine, throw a question in if you have something about that. But if you just want to hear some general you know other topic about football, NFL, college football, whatever, NFL draft, send it in to us, business. We got you. We're here all night, taking the questions. Uh one of, David, I actually wanted to ask you about something because this is something I generally don't know. Okay. Do NFL evaluators, scouts, people that are on the All-Star Game Trail, right? Because I saw there's been two all there's been two all-star games here relatively close together. I saw a player that was at one, measured in, quarterback, six zero, zero, two. Okay. So six foot and two-eighths of an inch. All right. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to another one a couple days later, and he measures in. And I swear this—this this is what I saw: six zero one zero. How is there that much discrepancy in a couple days? Do do would you, as a scout, like like on the on the All Star Trail when those guys are getting measured? Are you kind of like not like how 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 much with a grain of salt are you taking some of these measurements? Because it seems like something is wrong if it's that much of a discrepancy.
3: At the hula bowl last year, the measurements were so far off. They nice. literally reported a, a player with like a nine and three quarter hand, or like a nine, yeah, a nine and a half hand. Okay. I have a nine hand even, like it still measures nine. So I uh-huh. walked up to this player because his his mitts looked huge. Mm-hmm. And I just on the field, I just hey put your hand up next to mine, threw my hand up next to his and it dwarfed my hand. I'm like, this isn't a nine, this is an eleven. So I took my measurement out and I did it right there on the field. And the player had an eleven and one fourth hand. He didn't have a nine and one fourth hand. He had an eleven and one fourth hand. How? And they got reported to that someone typed in the number wrong and stuff. And that's that's the that's the problem. But that's why you on you like to have credible scouts doing this because what we do is we check the height chart. We make sure we don't just walk in and assume it's correct. We mm-hmm. make sure it's right. We make sure players have their shoes off; they don't have socks on. Because here's another thing: you can have a player with socks on, and he Mm -hmm. know he measured in a little, a little lighter uh, or a little shorter at one bowl, and then he's going to the second one. And before he puts his uh, shoes on or socks on the next morning, he put lift in his shoes or his socks. I mean, Uh so he could have had thick socks on with lifts under, and and if they let him weigh in with or weight measuring with socks, you wouldn't have seen the lifts. And now that gave him an extra inch. You know, and, yeah. and again, I, I once watch, watched a, a strength coach weigh in uh, an offensive lineman with a cell phone in his pocket. And I walked away from him and I said, hey, coach, I saw the cell phone in the kid's pocket. You didn't notice it. So I'm just going to take, you know, two pounds off. No big deal. In the middle, in the middle of everybody. No big deal. Okay. This yeah. guy goes, the strength coach goes, oh, this, this, this scout for such and such team and he calls out my team and I was the only one there from that team said, you, uh, <laughs> said it was. <laughs> it, yeah, said, you uh, said, said you had your cell phone in your pocket when you weighed in, I don't think he's right, but let's go re let's go reweigh you in. And so, you know, my personality, I go, I didn't say it. I saw it and I know he's going to be two pounds lighter. And then they went and they weighed him. And again, guess who was two pounds lighter? That's and crazy. I was like, okay. I was like, don't call me out in front of people when I've been doing this longer than you've been a freaking strength coach, you little asshole. So I was, like, I was like, don't do that. And, and I pulled him to the side. and I told him, don't ever do that again. You know, it, I was if you want to say, hey, we need to rework a measurement or re go get a measurement really quick. Hey, you know, pull the kid to the side, go do it again. Say you got a correction, whatever. But there's a business way of doing it. And that was not it. And when you challenge a veteran scout like me, and you obviously don't know me. You're gonna get called re-out because I don't let I didn't let Al Davis do it. I'm not gonna let some young punk freaking do it. So that that's the way it goes. Um, but that all being said, that's why I'm saying you don't know who who to trust. And that's why I tweeted out earlier: the NFL should hire Mavericks to go into schools that we that so they can trust the menu that we put because I have a network of scouts that are out of work that are former NFL scouts that are currently on the street. They're not getting paid by NFL teams so they can go do this stuff and not be in violation of any of the NFL rules, and we can get it done across the nation. We have plenty of people that we can go to do it. So if you're a training facility, if you're a school, if you're the NFL themselves listening, we can get it done. Just pay us as a consulting fee, and we'll knock it out for you. So this way your numbers are trusted. And they say, who took the numbers? You can say David Turner or one of my scouts then say they and they know that we're NFL guys so you know it's not saying someone from the facility it's saying one of us today
2: right right and i, I know that you know i was going to ask about solutions and obviously that's a solution i think getting getting kids as much of a consistency in this season of inconsistency would be a great idea i mean cuz these guys i mean all right let, let's talk here for a second this is a different angle ready So we went live, if you haven't seen the live, go on the NFL Draft Bible page. Me and David went live the minute that they came down with the new rule that players had until March to make their decision. This is talking about seniors with an extra year, had the the extra year of eligibility. They had until March to make their decision on whether they want to go back for, for an extra year. The 18th stayed firm, which was yesterday, we're recording on the 19th. 18th was the deadline for underclassmen. So redshirt juniors, ju- juniors and third year sophomores. Those are the guys yesterday that had to make their declaration decision. So we talked about why this was happening. I felt like the NFL had a lot of foresight. They thought that I thought they were going to have a lot of pushback. Like, wow, like this was a messed up thing. Like, uh, like people shouldn't have to go through this from a player's perspective. I don't blame the player for that. But now David, we're looking at that. That decision was made. And only a couple days later, now we're hearing that the combine might be thrown out the window. So for me, it, it, again, pushes even more towards foresight. They know that there is going to be so much wrong with this draft cycle that they are covering their butts. Let's call it what it is. They're covering their butts with that decision to making kids really kind of evaluate everything and potentially go back to school. Because I think that's a lot of really wise because I feel like a lot of kids are going to be handicapped again. If you're not one of these all-star games, you—if you don't have a pro day, like we just saw, what happens? What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again. Are these players going to choose to go through this cycle of uncertainty? And that doesn't even necessarily mean that next year is going to be any better, because who knows what's going to happen with the pandemic? Who knows? It's been how many months now, and we still don't have answers, and we don't know what the what the the vaccine distribution is going to act exactly look like we can hear things, but like, when is this actually going to get proven to be good? When is the answer? What is the answer? David Turner. What yeah. is the answer? Well, what, you know, what's kind
3: of BS in my mind is that they, they made the juniors and right. super sophomores declare yesterday, yep. but then the breaking news, what didn't land until yesterday on the combine being done. But the memo that was put out by the commissioner from what I saw was December 23rd. So with NFL teams and people have known for since Christmas, the combine is going to be canceled, right? Mm-hmm. Word doesn't break until the juniors and super sophomores have to make their mind. And they could have pushed that to the 30th. So everybody had longer to, to make their mind up, but they chose not to, and which I don't understand. Again, I'm not sure what the decision behind the, that was like, why make the, the younger kids declare first. I don't. I don't. I don't know that. Right. In six weeks earlier, like I don't. I don't understand that. In a normal draft cycle, you kind of already know which seniors are coming out, so that was easier. Mm-hmm. Than the 18th was just to confirm everything. and gives you enough time to do all your homework on the juniors, on the on the seniors, and all that stuff. So I get that, but having the seniors now go later. I mean, it can totally change the game. So that—that's what I don't understand as why everybody had to be different instead of pushing everybody the same, or not, or at least not giving like the information about the combine on Friday, so mm-hmm. the the super sophomores and the juniors had the weekend to think about: Do I really want to declare? Do I really want to do this? Since there's not gonna be an NFL combine, and I I might you know then I would give them the weekend to talk to their school about a pro day, about different things and make a better decision for themselves. And yes, they can always withdraw and they can go back. And I mean, they really can. And again, it's fine. on am honest, kids, if you choose right now before March 1st to pull your name and go back, there's nothing they can do to tell you, you can't go back. I mean, go back, you know, and, and make the decision next year. But like we've been talking about Ryan, some of the smaller schools in the F in the, um, FCS level has have have canceled the spring and they're not going to play in the fall. We have 1200 kids in the transfer portal. We have kids from high school, not knowing if they're going to get recruited and if they're going to get scholarships because some teams don't know what their availability is going to be. So this is an, this is an entire mess. The ripple effect is going, it's going so far down the line and this isn't just, I know we talk about male sports a lot, especially football, because that's our wheelhouse. But I have have friends who have daughters that are trying to be recruited, one in base or one in softball and one in soccer, that are going through very similar things because it's an entire NC2A problem with that decision to blanket give everybody one more year. That now those young girls that are juniors and seniors trying to get recruited for the next level they're being told the same things the guy, we're, that we constantly hear with the, with the guys in football is that you know, we don't know how many spots we're going to have. We don't know how we're going to open it up to you. But to get back to what you're saying is like that I don't know why the NFL didn't just make it all June 1st. And I think the players, as if you can go back, mm-hmm. if you can go back yep. and you really feel uncertain if you're if you're uncertain you're not in the top 200, like if you're not locked, clad, solid I'm a top 200 guy mm-hmm. for this year's draft, go back because we don't know how they're going to sign undrafted free agents. We don't know how they're going to approach this year's draft process. And if you got some agent in your ear telling you you're a third round pick, but you definitely in your heart of hearts don't want to go in the sixth round, call me, email right. me. I right. will do the work for you. And you don't – I have no skin in the game except to get you a proper evaluation mm-hmm. from a man who's done it 18 years, who's set draft boards for Al Davis, been in the room with Marty Herney, been in the room with Trent Bulkey, <clears throat> been in the room with Dave Gettleman, been in the room you know, with George Payton. I've been in the room with a lot of these GMs, guys and gals. So if you really need somebody who's been in the room and that can do this work for you right now, I can do this work for you and make sure that you don't miss an opportunity to go back to school if it's best for you. Agents got skin in the game. Yes, they do. Parents, I love you guys, but you got skin in the game. hmm Girlfriends, you got skin in the game. Grandma, grandpa, you got skin in the game. I got no skin in the game. Right. It's just an honest evaluation of your skill set. That's it. You know, And therefore, I can help you make the decision, walk you through the process one-on-one and make sure you're getting the best advice you can get. And that's, again, all we want to do. We want these young men and young women you know, trying to figure things out to have a resource. That's why we started Mavericks is so everybody can have a resource of, a, of somebody like myself. They can have a direct path to somebody that they need to talk to. And so therefore I hope people do start taking more advantage of it. Some people have it's, you know, it's been a good draft season, but I definitely have time. I can do more. I got more, I got more ability here. If you guys want, just take advantage of it.
2: Mm Hmm. And I, I've been I've been consistent with this message this whole draft season so far because let's let's be honest like it doesn't end it doesn't start just when the NFL playoffs end baby it's been going for a few months at this point you know people have been thinking yeah. about it obviously that when does when the agent hunt start like as soon as these guys are eligible they're hitting up inboxes they're trying to find them they're emailing them they're doing all their stuff like that's when the recruiting process starts for agents I want to get into agents for a second but my biggest plea to every player that is out there you can hit me up. You can hit David up, hit as many people up as possible because the best decisions are made with a whole bunch of information, different perspectives, varying perspectives. Don't ask for one draft grade from someone. Ask multiple of them. Get as much perspective as possible. Understand who you're talking to. Get as many opinions as you possibly can. Make the most sound decision because again, the minute that you make this declaration, you can go back to school if you want, if it doesn't turn out the way you want. But wherever, wherever you were selected, wherever you wherever you sat, that's what you are. No matter if you – yeah, go ahead.
3: No, I was going to say, and you know, from the agent perspective too, yep. just this past weekend, just this past weekend, mm-hmm. I have two agent clients that were going after guys. I, I did their reports for them, mm-hmm. told them how to do what I thought of them, checked with some of my NFL scouts about the guys. I was in, you know, I was in grenade shot of a guy. like, I like to call it right. <laughs> One kid I don't like, I think it's going to be like maybe six teams in the league that might like this kid. Cause he's a big body kind of a zero technique guy. Right. Okay. But he's not really powerful. And he, uh, I mean, there's just things I just don't like about him. My, I got a friend on the East coast. Cause that's where the kid went to school mm-hmm. said, uh, I, I gave him a seven. He gave him a seventh round grade. Okay. Oh, okay second guy gave him a, a a free agent after the draft college free agent guy asked him a pfa like a priority free agent no 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 just a regular free agent grade okay okay so therefore for me out of one, for, out of 3 nfl scouts that graded the kid he got one draftable grade okay do the average that means about 16s or 17s are going to give him a draftable grade and it's going to be a low end draftable grade right so he, my, my agent didn't sign up my agent friend or my client, I should say my agent client didn't sign him. was kind mm-hmm. of upset because he really liked the guy himself. Then the kid uh, put out on his Twitter, he got signed and he got like $20,000 up front and all this stuff. And they're paying for his training and da 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 da. And so he called me as well, like, see, I knew you were wrong. I said, well, doesn't mean <laughs> I'm <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. I was like, I just saved you from making a $20,000 investment. And one three NFL guys, one doesn't like him, one sees him as a as a possible free agent, not a priority, and one sees him as a seventh round pick. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you have to learn how to do this business wise. You didn't have three guys come back and tell you, hey, you, you're missing out on a draft pick. You didn't even have two guys saying you're missing out on a draft pick. You had one guy tell you this guy might go in the seventh round. I said, those guys that are making that investment in him. Probably are never going to see that money back. Yep. And then another friend of mine went and again was, rec- I was telling he was recruiting the Indiana running back, and that mm-hmm. kid got a ton of money from an agency he signed with. It wasn't my client; it was a different one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, 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 when I heard the package they gave him, I'm like. He's not, they're not going to see that money back till the second contract. That's if this guy gets a second contract because they're putting so much money out up front. And he goes, Exactly. He's all, as soon as I heard what he was getting, I walked away. He's all because the cost was not even worth it. He's like, You're looking at a guy who maybe be at the best a fourth rounder, fifth rounder. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a first day guy. He's not going to be a second day guy. And so the money that he just received the agency's out until the, he winds up getting a second contract. And that's such a long gamble play because this kid might not ever see it. You know, we don't ever root against anybody here at Mavericks. We always root for people. But the business decision for agents is what I'm trying to bring to the table in this conversation now It's like, A, these kids are still looking for the world because their buddy got it last year and the year before. And it's just not worth the investment for the agents with this draft class. Because of, like you said, limited seasons, limited film. I mean, the adversity these kids had to train in and be part of. It's so tough to go and put your name on a kid, to stand up on a table and tell them, here, we got it for you. you know. And then secondly, you know, for these agents to go over-invest. Some of these, you know, see, what you got to learn is CAA, mm-hmm. watch how many. They, they typically have, I want to say like 20 or 30 guys in the draft process. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen their name coming out with a lot of lists this year. And if CAA is not overcommitting, then you got to know that the top-end guys are trimming back for a reason. So some of these other agents are getting shots at guys that they weren't thinking they'd ever get a shot at. So they're overspending thinking they're finding gems when really CAA and all these other places have done their homework. They have their connections in the, in the scouting departments, and they're passing on the maybes, and they're only taking the sure shots this year.
2: Right, right. And, I, and that, that's what I talked about, the trends. And I talked to a couple of my scouting, um, some of my agent buddies, I mean, and, you know, they're they're kind of like going in and, and trying to figure out what their best options are doing. And I'm like, from what I've talked to other agents, like it, some are all in, some are all out. Like there's not much middle ground this year, you know, because there's so much uncertainty. It's it's not like there's no parity I mean, not that there's much parody in the agent game anyway, because like what's the percentage of like the top the top level top ten control agencies? 90%. Yeah. Right. So but it's just it's just funny to see how much even maybe more it is like not balanced at all. You know, it just seems like a lot of people are in a lot of people are out this year. So a lot of moving parts. The agent side of everything is a fascinating conversation. I know that we could probably spend a ton more time. I just want to see the first agent to offer someone, you know, give someone their money, one of their clients money in a McDonald's bag, you know? Yeah. That's what I was... <laughs> good lord, I, I you know, when I I read that today, yeah. I was like you didn't even do a Jimmy John's bag? I mean, come right. on, man. Some like, Come on, on. Man. Come a on,
3: McDonald's man. bag.
2: Like a Chick-fil-A, you know, a little tray or something, I mean, do, man, like do something.
3: Hot, do, do like a hot sandwich or something, man, like you know, it's Tennessee. Right. <laughs> I couldn't believe the stuff I was reading on that guy. I, I know was like, between him and the Jets and the uh, not the Jets. Sorry, Joe, not the Jets. Him and the Mets GM. Yeah, uh, I know I mean, oh, yeah. Jesus yesterday yeah. when I was reading those two. I, I mean, my head was spinning. I was like, these two clowns have jobs and and some some really good people don't. And these two clowns have jobs. Okay. That's crazy, man.
2: Just like what just when we thought 2021 was going to be more normal. And then this stuff is happening. Like creeper wow, shit. Wow. I know. Well, yeah, that is some creeper stuff. And then the stuff with um Tennessee's head coach that just stepped down, Jeremy Pruitt. That was pretty insane, too. Cause I was like, I know you, you posted on Twitter, I think, yesterday after it happened. Like, it seemed like he was doing a pretty decent job. Like, I didn't think he was doing a terrible job either yeah. for what the state of the football team was, right? Like we took over, and then that happened. I'm like, oh. Okay, there it is. Yeah, that's what they're
3: like fired for a cause. I'm like, what did he do? Because I thought, it, I mean, on the field, they are a couple players away. Am I crazy? And then oh. all of a sudden, like the news broke about the McDonald's bags and other stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, can't do that.
2: That's a no-no, uh, David. And and uh, the the report came out that it sounds like a lot of their players are about to hit the portal now, man. So like that, you know, the running back Gray, who's a really yeah. nice player, he, he might be yeah. out.
3: Yeah,
2: I I don't know. I don't know if he if he made that decision or not. I don't know. Okay. I haven't seen any updates on that. I just heard he might be entering the portal, a uh, crouched for one linebacker, but that really good linebacker, to- uh, Toa Toa or something. To- I oh remember. yeah. Yeah. He's a nice player. Yeah, he's yeah dude. He's a nice football player. He's probably not. N- he might be an NFLer NFL or next year. I know he was only a true sophomore this year, but he's talented and he- they might all be entering the portal. So that team, that program is in a bad state right now. Cause now you need to find out who your next head coach is. You're going to be dealing with a lot of, you know, violations and sanctions and all types of stuff. And plus, you're going to lose the who was your young core because Eric Gray was a sophomore, the linebacker was a sophomore. Like that was your core that you were building with. You know, those were the recruiting wins. And then well, now, yeah, well,
3: the, you know, they were also the McDonald fans. You got to imagine those guys got their
2: bags. I'm sure you know? they love McDonalds. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they loved. Yeah, them. they, they uh, went yeah. for
3: Big Macs every
2: week. Whew. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Sure. Chicken nuggets, please. Oh man. So that was pretty much all we want to wrap up with. Maybe the last thing we could talk about with this real quick, David, is the pro day circuit. Actually, we don't even need to yeah. talk about that. Cause we, I mean, so some pro well, it's going to be hard. It's going to be yeah. so hard because it's, it's affected by,
3: the the local ordinances, like you said, we don't know where the pandemic's going. Here in Arizona, we have the worst pan, you know, the worst COVID numbers out of every um, one hundred thousand people in the world. We have more affected people here in Arizona per one thousand pe- one hundred thousand people than anywhere else in the world. So uh, we have it worse in some countries right now. So, you know, ASU and U of A, they don't know how they're going to be able to do anything for their students or, or what they're going to do, even though a lot of our local ordinances are wide open. We don't close our gyms and, you know, bars because, God, why would we do that? Um, but, you know, we have 83 percent of our, our, our beds. ICU beds are full. There's one hospital down the road from me has eight beds open left. That's it. Eight beds you know about you know why why close down bars and gyms governor do see i have no idea. but you're going to the inauguration tomorrow that's a good thing that's great i'm glad you're going to the inauguration but you're not closing down bars and restaurants here priorities
2: priorities david i
3: understand Yeah, it's all about yeah. working with the new government well how about right. saving some people's lives but that all being said um yeah i think it's going to be very hard and the pro day circuit going to be very hard and also the nfl remember last year when the when the the COVID hit hard and people really didn't know what to expect or do, they pulled their scouts off the road because they didn't want to jeopardize those scouts lives. So to go into schools and how we do the pro days where you can go do a pro day, two in a day or, you know, Mm -hmm. five, you know, seven in a, in a five day week. um, And then you got to fly here and there. And then all these schools are in charge of making when they're going to do their own pro day. So, you know the the schedules get really crazy for scouts, and again, I don't I don't think the NFL will send their scouts out, um, send their scouts out to these,
0: yeah,
3: yeah. The, these these pro days when they're they, they are the way they are where you're on and off different, um on and off different campuses each and every day because it puts their, right. their, their lives in jeopardy. Uh, and, you know, to do it for work, I think there'd be a lot of liability there. So again, NFL, if you need somebody to verify measurables, let me know.
2: And, and the pro day circuits like all so packed together too. Cause, cause then my, my thought was like, well, maybe they could space out guys, but like they don't have enough manpower to cover nearly as much as they need to, you know, like, are they just going to focus on just the, power five teams and try to get to as many as them as they can. Like what, like the pro day circuit, I think is a fascinating one. Cause I don't think people think about that that much. Right. Cause like David, so you were telling us the other day, so take us through real quick. Like you would start in like, let's say when you were in area scout there, like on the pro day circuit, how many schools are you hitting in like a two week window? Let's say
3: I could hit easily 10 to 15 in a, in, in, in a 14 day span. Right. 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 You know, and, and,
2: um, and they can't afford to do that because, hey, like, like, what are we testing everywhere we go? Or like, what? Like, and you can't, you don't even have that capability. Because, well, like, th-
3: think about the Bay Area. I'll walk you through it for just a little bit so you'll see it. Right. You fly into Sacramento, you do Sac State and Davis the same day. Uh-huh. Next day, you drive down, you do Cal and San Jose State the same day. And then you would drive down, do Stanford the following day, go over, do Fresno. And then you would typically drive from Fresno down to UCLA, then do USC, and then typically go down to San Diego and you would hit San Diego state, USD and, you know, somewhere else, then come over to Arizona and hit Arizona, Arizona state, Northern Arizona the following week. So yeah, within, you know, seven days, you're hitting nine schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just boom, boom, boom. And, and again, you're on and off campuses and you're talking to kids face to face. You got to touch them. You got to put your hands on them to measure them, right? You got you know, to, you got to, you know, you got to be around to, you know, just interview the players, interview the coaches, interview the medical staff. I mean, just to do your job, you're going to be in di- closer than six feet. So right. again, I, I just, and again, I, <sighs>
2: I know you I know. don't have you don't have answers. I'm I know, to I feel answer. bad. I really I know. feel bad.
3: And that's why, you know, that, you know, as a friend of mine, you know, that's why I joined up with ANC a lot of a big portion. Why I joined up with ANC last year was to get out on the road and get these kids some verified measurables, write my reports on them and to and to put my eyes on guys to help them get opportunities. But even that, a lot of the NFL teams didn't have medical on guys, didn't have detailed characters on guys. So people weren't getting their opportunities that they really do deserve. And, you know, my heart just goes out for these kids because you think about it. Since eight years old, Ryan, you were a college football player. I didn't make it that far. But, you know, since like eight years old, you played football. And last year, those boys uh, that, that graduated didn't get their their pro days. A lot of them didn't get their opportunity to shine. And now this year we know they're not going to get their opportunity to shine. And these are, you know, these are dreams. These are, these are, let's not sell that short. These are young men's dreams that they've worked very hard to accomplish. They've done everything right. And it's not their fault. Stuff's going wrong. And I really feel poorly for them. I really feel bad. I, I'm I'm a decent human being, even though I'm a, I'm a dick to a lot of people, I'm a decent (laughs) human being and I I do feel for the kids and what they're going through and their parents and their families and their brothers and their sisters that have sacrificed to help these young men get in these opportunities and they're not going to get them. Um, so, you know, again, anything I can do, I see Dan in the chat room, Dan Cassidy, you know, anything I can do for the players, for the agents, uh, for the schools, for the league. I mean, just let me know. I'm I'm all, I'm I'm on board.
2: Yeah, and I mean that really hits home too because like there's a lot of good football players that are just sitting out there, man, because they just didn't have those opportunities. Like I was just talking to somebody the other day, David. I think I, I don't remember if it was Rick or if it was somebody, but like we were talking about Jackson Scott Brown, and I'm like Jackson Scott Brown should be deserves playing, the shot, or, yeah. or, He should be playing professional football. What if it's not the NFL? He should be playing up north. Like he has that talent, in my opinion. And shout out to Dan Cassidy who's in. Um, in the chat, like David said, you know, he's saying, explaining to me how they're going to do this in the Northeast or Cali. Like I'm in the Northeast, David's out out west. You know, like I I don't know, Dan. Like I think that's the biggest thing that I'm going to is like we're we hy- you know we're we're hypothesizing. I don't even know if that's a word. We're getting we're trying to get the brains racking our brains over here, trying to bounce ideas off each other. Like what makes sense? Like I don't know if anything makes sense. We're trying to make sense of it, but I just feel like we're just going to continue to have this conversation but nobody's ever going to have a real um a real solution to everything and people aren't allowed to go to work he also says but they're going to go to big pro days like it's it's we're we're going to bend the rules and we're going well, again, to go in I, can't, I don't otherwise. see big pro
3: days pulling off like i honestly i looked I in the i looked in i looked in the room when they sent out the picture of i think our boy um uh, not Russ Landy uh it was our guy from Texas um, inside the league, oh, Neil, Neil, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Neil sent out a picture about fifty scouts being in the room down in Florida for the Tropical Bowl, and I didn't see everybody with a mask on, and I didn't see everybody at all, at and all. I didn't see, and then I didn't see a lot of people on the field the next day with masks on, and so I'm like, well, you know, again, at ANC, our our COVID protocols were were followed. Everybody wore masks. Everybody were asked to stay their distance. You know, when I did interviews with the players, we had distance. We weren't sharing mics. We weren't doing any of that stuff. You know, you could see that we we definitely didn't do one on ones or anything of like that to keep from COVID being transferred from one person to another. And we did eight combines over 800, nearly a thousand kids. Um, I should call them participants. I shouldn't call them kids. I'm just getting to that age. We're calling everybody kids, uh, but you know, over a thousand participants, not one said they caught covid or came back covid positive we didn't have one one incident and it's because we followed them what we're seeing now i people are getting ridiculously mass fatigued and they're not wanting to wear them they're saying screw it we're outside And they're doing a lot of dangerous behavior, which again is gonna jeopardize things to come because the more people that catch it from sporting events that are going on and it's publicized that they're catching it, the less other public areas are gonna allow them to do it. So
2: yep. Yep. A lot of
3: long-winded. I know I'm long-winded on it, but I'm very passionate, as everybody knows. I really it's yeah, like my job is is to work in football, to be in football. I love the game of football, but right now we're, I mean, people's lives are affected over 400,000 people. I have a family, a former intern, him, his mother, his brother, and his father all had COVID last week. His father is still on an oxygen tank at home because he can't breathe without it. Um, You know, they're all out of the woods, but this, you know, obviously the lingering effects from this is, is still there. So, you know, my point obviously is, we want to do everything we can to keep from transmitting it, you know?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know that's obviously even that's way bigger than football, what you're talking about there. And I just want to bring it back to football, unfortunately, because like, you know, this is affecting everybody in so many different ways. I mean, we had Jason Brown on a few weeks ago, and you heard him, man, how excited yeah. he was to just get back on the field. He's just like, yeah, man, like, I don't, I don't need that transfer portal. Like, I don't want to be in that transfer portal he was forced to because of every the state of the world and what it is i mean that that kid's going to play in the nfl someday in my opinion and it i mean was he supposed to just jeopardize his future because of uncertainty
3: i mean no and dan you're 100% right you know it is like it's it, it's 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 going to be very hard for schools and local politicians to allow sporting events to have a pro day but the nfl has gone and just totally you know kiboshed everything and said it's up to the schools to get their kids tested it's up to the kids to go to the doctors and turn in their reports you know for the medicals it's up to they've just completely passed the buck because they went through a very expensive season and pulled off a very expensive thing that they had to do and now they've passed the buck to everybody else to go figure out the draft process which is going to be very difficult cuz these kids really don't know what to do the agents aren't often in the same cities as their clients, so they can't go and do it with them and and, and, and take them around by the hand. And these are still young men. They're like, oh, they're twenty two. They need to figure it out, guys, gals. I didn't know
2: what I was doing when I was twenty two.
3: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you right now, some of these kids are you know twenty years old. And I, if you gave me a slip of paper and told me I had to go to six, I had to go get an MRI. I had to go to a doctor. I had to go get a blood work done. I had to go do this. I had to go do that. And I had to take a drug test. And I I mean, I would look at the to do list like, holy crap, how am I going to get this all done? And and then I have to turn it all in and do this and that. And it has to be by a certain date. And now, guess what? Certain doctor's offices aren't open in my state because of covid. (laughs) So to get in and see some of these doctors are going to be a problem, an issue with scheduling. And yeah. stuff. So this is why the NFL has consolidated it down to the Indianapolis area to do it, to, to get it done efficiently. But now again, we're not doing that. So it's it's a major thing, and we've talked a lot tonight about it, and we'll continue to talk all the way up to draft day, I'm sure, about it. But it's it's a huge problem that, the, and again, the NFL completely passed the buck to the kids and the schools, and that's going to be the hardest thing for them to pull off. It really is.
2: Yeah. And I actually did fill out my, you know, cause I'm a teacher full time. So I have the availability of the, the ability to get the vaccine sooner than some people. Right. And I'm on the waiting list now. So, Hey, well, let's see what that happens. Right. A few weeks from now, I might get that vaccine. We'll see what happens. I want to move over to the question and answer segment. Cause I know we're, we're, I don't want to say negative because this is the real world we're dealing in, right? And we're trying to advise kids and we're trying to educate people because this is what we're really dealing with. But we do want to get into some question and answers for the day because we got some really great ones as always. Shout out to everybody that's still with us in the chat. You want to throw in a question while we're going through some of these mailbag questions? I, I applaud you to do so and I would love for you to hey, put up, Put up Dan's last one. This is great. Put, Dan's a, put uh, his last one up. My son is 25, third year long. Great job. Super smart. I have to make his doctor (laughs) (laughs) appointment. But that's just
3: it. Like, kids don't think about, like, doing this stuff. I didn't think – I'm not going to sit here and bust on dad's kids. I didn't do it. My mom still made my appointments for me, I'm sure, well into my 20s because it was just what mom did, you know? Right, So. I mean, it's just—it's like you don't think about it. You think about going to school, getting grades, and you know, eating. That's about it. Maybe going out on Saturday night. You don't think about making doctor's appointments and and all this
2: stuff. <laughs> I mean, uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't call my mom for some some things that I should probably be sure doing at 29 years old. Like it happened, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. It's all good, man. I, I completely agree, though. We need to uh, definitely cut some kids' slack right now in this situation because, oh. It's tough decisions to make at their age. So get into some mailbag questions for tonight. We had a lot of awesome questions. Um, like I said before, shout out to everybody that gave us the questions for tonight. We want to start out with Mr. Jack Borowski, Jack underscore Borowski, a part of the NFL Draft Bible Scouting Team. Actually, and he asked for, for us, what are the most important things to look for when evaluating an offensive tackle for the NFL Draft? David, would you like to jump on that
3: first well it you know serious answer is we have a seminar which you're welcome to come see <laughs> um <laughs> no but uh all truthful you start with the feet and you work your way up i mean that's the way i start work with the foot quickness uh, the bend in the ankle the knees the hips the stance um, seeing if they can get into a proper three-point stance. What's the pad level coming out of the three-point stance? We're looking at, you know, how's their set? Are they a short setter? Are they a vertical setter? Are they a jump setter? Once they get their hands on you, are their hands inside the chest plate? Are they able to uh, clamp and control or press and extend, keeping the defender's hands off of you? Can they sustain and mirror and redirect um, as, you know, defenders are trying to work off contact? Or do they just... Or do they just fail and, and and lose off first contact, and then and then the defender is able to uh, get around them? You know, are they a lobster kind of guy with his hands wide, or do they shoot inside? Because, you know, if you're going to be a a, a lobster outside guy, you're going to get a lot of holding calls, especially if we're an outside zone team, because you got to get outside, move your feet to get out there in position. How do you combo and scrape, take angles to the second level and downfield on screens? Can you hit moving targets or do you or do you just uh, are you a guided missile? And if the guy's not lined up straight in the alley, are you going to are you going to miss? So there's a lot when you're talking about offensive tackles that's just a, a very quick checklist of stuff that I go through when I'm watching uh, film on, on offensive tackles.
2: Yeah, no. And it's a great list. If, if I just want to sum it up as quick as possible, just some of the key things that I'm looking at, obviously we're talking about length. We're talking about size components, those measurables that we always want to look at. But what I'm really looking for on the edge is I need a guy that is super flexible. I need a guy that has great core strength and I need some quick feet. I can work with those things if if I have those size and, and variable measurables, um, especially flexibility. I think flexibility is one of the most underrated things for offensive tackle play because let's be honest, man, the beginning of reps are not always going to look pretty. It's about how you can recover through reps. And if you're not a flexible athlete, the minute that you lose a rep early on, not completely lose it, but you do not do great in the beginning of the rep, you need the ability to maneuver your body to get back into the catch position, or else you have no ability to recover. Flexibility leads to recovery. So just a quick quick note there on offense tackles. Dan actually threw a question in here, David. So he, he said, real question, opinion down here is kids this year will be bumped up. Next year, normally, fifth to seven-rounders will be UDFAs. You guys hearing the same. So I'll
3: no, go, go for it. Yeah, no, no, no. Go for it. I'll respond I'll after you.
2: I was going to say, um, so I would I would say common sense would say yes, because obviously if there are more numbers next year, some guys are going to naturally go down, right? That's oversaturation. And if there's less players, more players are going back to school if they take that route Then if there's less strength perceived as far as depth, then guys will get bumped up. I think that makes total sense. I will say, though, I just made an updated big board for NFL Draft Bible I think it's a pretty strong class this year either way. So I don't think it's as big an advantage as people are acting like, at least in the short term. Next year, maybe a little more than this year, I think.
3: And I would say, Dan, I, I, I can answer that better after March 1st. And mm. that and, and that's a cop-out answer, but it's true because like normally I would know what the draft size is this year with the number of paperwork that's been turned in. So, you know, if we knew it was 500 kids turn their paperwork in, I would tell you that the numbers are, are the same as last year. But if if we go and we look at the numbers uh, come March 1st and a lot of people went back to school and the number is only 350 or or 410, something of that nature, then, yeah, you're going to have some players – going where they they don't belong. They're going to go in the draft when, you know, they might necessarily just be free agent type guys. The thing that we saw last year where a lot of people came out and then they expected to uh, get signed as a PFA or a rookie camp invite. And there were no rookie camp invites. You know, there was no rookie cap path to the combine this year. Hopefully any kid that doesn't get drafted chooses to go back to school but again, at that point, it's going to be you go back to which school has an opportunity, which might be taken up because the 1,200 kids are in the portal. So you got to be really careful with that because the draft, I don't know if it's going to go off on time this year or if they're going to really push it back or what, how it's going to be, how it's going to play out. Dan, you know, there's so many un- unknowns right now. If, say it does go the last weekend in, in April still. Mm-hmm. Because of the pro day circuit and combine, they're just scrubbing it and saying, screw it, we're not going to do any of it. So it's still that same weekend, and a kid goes undrafted, you know, hopefully they can find an opportunity before fall camps open up to go back to school and and work on their game and get back in there. You know, so I I don't know. I I can see it both ways. Like Ryan said, it's a pretty strong class. If everybody comes out that we anticipate coming out, there's going to be 250 strong kids. That are going to be in the in the draft,
2: and I think just a quick note on this this draft this year from the people that are are officially declared. Um, I th- I don't think that, of course, Dan. Thank you so much for dropping the question. It's a great question um, and something that we should definitely be talking about. So, the draft this year, I don't think there's a ton of legit first round grades, at least from me so far that I've evaluated. But there is a ton of second and third round grades. This is a deep group. I think it's a really deep class, even if the class ended where it is right now. I think it's a very deep group. So I I think that the numbers, I don't think kids, I don't think kids are going to get a biggest advantage advantage this year, just based on what I know as in normal years. So uh, as, as people perceive it to be anyway, this year, because they think it's going to be a smaller class. So they're going to have more opportunities, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's, to that degree.
3: Well, and also, like you said, I don't think a lot of people have a ton of first rounders getting pushed into the second round. You're going to see some second rounders be pushed up into the first round. Some third rounders getting pushed up into the second round. And so therefore people are anticipating that's going to be the cycle all the way through. But like you said, the meat and potatoes of the draft, which is two through six, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of kids that are going to grade out two through six this year. And that's where the numbers are going to be strong. Like you were saying, so there is going to be a strong 250 kids graded for the big board.
2: Right, and I think that's that, That's a great way to put it too, Dave, because I don't want it to make it like, so yeah, like normally like it would just cycle down. But the point is that like there might be this many first round picks. I, I'm not willing to put the number out that I have right now of first round grades, but like there is a ton of second and third round grades. So you're going to still get some players in the fourth round that have a, a day two grade like that's still going to happen. So it's not just like, oh, wow, there's not that many first-rounders. Here's a second. Here's some second-rounders. not that many second-rounders. Here's some third-rounders. Like That's not how it's going to be. There's going to be some guys on day three that have a solid day two grade because that is where the depth is. That is where it is right there, rounds two through six. Like David said, I think there are so many good players this year. So good segue there. Um, great question again, Dan. Really appreciate it. A question we wanted to go to, uh, man, would it be a podcast without talking about some fullbacks, David? Would it be a podcast? Shout hey, out to Wouldn't be one I would like. Let's go. Let's get some fi- let's get some fullback action going. Shout out to Steph, who is a 49ers fan. So I know it makes sense. The best fullback in the NFL plays for the uh for the 49ers and college. Juice. So she wants to know about some fullbacks and where they might land in the draft. So she asked me for a top three. I know David, there's one that you keep talking about. So I'll let you put one out there and then maybe I'll put the last two. Stogie, baby. Give me the
3: stokster. <laughs> I love this kid. He's a Wisconsin fullback that actually leads up in there and pops people open. I think this is a kid that I compared him to Tom Rathman in the past. Rick said I was crazy, but if you watch him, he he launches into the line. He really does open up the open up the line well. He can carry the ball. He can catch out of the backfield. He does a nice job. To me, he's a very complete fullback. You know, there and like you know, Ryan. There's a couple other you're going to bring up, but to me, he this is one of the guys that I really like, and I think he'll be drafted. He's in that, you know, I think he's in the range of, you know, somewhere four, five, six that age, that that range, probably you know, five, solid fifth round grade on the guy, because that's where I would take a fullback in the four, five, six, depending on my situation there and my offensive scheme. But I could, def- I mean, this kid will be playing on Sundays. So I love him.
2: Yeah, I can tell you a little sneak peek into the big board for NFL Draft Bible. We have a day three grade on me, a draftable grade on Stokey or Stoke. I don't know how you pronounce it, actually, from Wisconsin. And then Ben Mason's actually our top rated fullback at Draft Bible right now, Michigan. So with how fullback usage has decreased in the NFL, I mean, it, it was this way even when they were utilized, right? Special teams is a big, big point of emphasis for those guys to stick on rosters, and uh, Ben Mason from Michigan, that dude is a core, that's a four core team special teamer. Like he is all over the place. He'll give you help in any area. Big fan of Ben Mason, top ranked fullback according to NFL draft Bible right now. And then if I had to throw a guy out there, uh, we don't have any other draftable grades besides those two guys. But if I want to throw an interesting guy out there, John Rain, who is actually a tight end at Florida Atlantic. Transferred to Northwestern, grad transferred only single year at Northwestern. He's about six foot two, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. He plays that super back position that we have seen at the uh, at Northwestern over the last few years, which is like they're just an H-back position, plays in the slot sometimes. But this kid's got some receiving chops to him. He's got some skills, a West Coast style team that likes to get their fullbacks involved in the passing game a little bit, like a 49ers, for instance. I think John Rain's going to be an interesting player. The question is, how much is he going to be able to contribute in that special teams department? But I think just as a guy with some tight end skills in a fullback mold and that fullback body, John Rain from Northwestern might be a guy just to keep an eye on. Probably a UDFA, PFA, but he uh, he's he's got something to him. I'll keep an eye on John Rain from Northwestern. Stogie, um,
3: stogie, stogie, stogie,
2: stogie, stogie. stogie, 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 stogie. It's just a fullback name, man. He's got to get, to get him for that. Uh, ben Mason's a pretty good fullback name, though. That guy, that guy, David Mason. Mason ben sounds Mason. like he's going to pros- prosecute you. Oh, uh, dude, you need to go look at my guy, man. That my guy. I'm a just talking whoa. about name. I'm just talking, talking about whoa. name. Stokey. 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 Awesome. <laughs>
0: Stokey.
2: His first name's Mason, though. You were just making fun of Masons. Oh no, his name's Ben. It's Ben Everybody Mason. No, I'm talking about Mason Stokey though. You were just making fun of Ben Mason, but yeah, Mason. but I'm talking about last names on the back of the jersey, bro. It's a be- it's a better last really? Stokey's a better last name. I agree. I no argument for me. I got John Rain's a pretty good one though. I like Rain. That sounds like rain. a fullback. Mm. John rain? Don't take me down rain. that road. Oh, okay. Don't take you down that road. All right. Sounds good. I won't take you down that road. a uh, couple questions here. Uh, from the Debbie IDP Grind podcast, he asks, "Who is the small? Who's your small school top small school prospect, and why?" I think this one was a pretty no brainer because, like, my original thought was like, "Oh okay, my
3: god, this is easy, we,
2: isn't it?" Right? It's easy, but like my original thought is, "What are we constituting as small
0: school?" Small school. Yeah.
2: My, my mind went to hey FCS and lower, Division two, II, Division three, and NAIA. Like that. That's kind of where my mind went to, right? Um, But I think that some people would assume would even picture anything below Power Five. Like if they if they said like oh a kid out of Toledo, a kid out of uh, a Sun Belt team like a Troy or whatever it is, a Georgia State like they might Coastal
3: get, Carolina,
2: Coastal Carolina they might constitute one of those guys as though as, as them either. But either way, Trey Lance he might go top ten. North Dakota State quarterback like he's he might go top ten. <laughs> like that's that's you know so. Whether your definition is FCS or division two or division three or just group of five football, Trey Lance. And why? Because it's going to be a top ten pick probably. So, yeah, there you
3: go. Yeah, I knew that was coming from you. That was no surprise.
2: I I mean, I I was honestly racking my brain for a few minutes on this one, David. I'm like, is there anybody that's even in contention with Trey Lance? I'm like, no. No. (laughs) No. Not really. (laughs) All right. Um. Last joint question, I think, before maybe I bang out a couple um, a couple more NFL draft centric for this year because I know David's about to get his dive in. We're about to get into to, uh, some film. Part of the Twitch channel, you should join it, nfldraftbible.com. Mike O'Brien asks, should teams only select tight ends in the first round as a luxury? For example, Kansas City took um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round last year as a running back as a luxury to their offense rather than filling a need like the teams at the top of the draft would. So, David, are we to the point now? Because like, there's a big running backs don't matter movement. You shouldn't draft a running back high. Whatever. We'll get inside. I mean, that's a conversation. Let's
3: not get into that.
2: (laughs) Let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. that. Um, I I would draft running backs high. I just wouldn't pay running backs. That's the difference. But but anyway. So now, are we to the point, David, where like tight ends are? A value pick? I mean, not a value pick. They're just a luxury.
3: No, no, we're not there because a lot of the NFL teams are running twelve personnel. They're running double two. You know, they're running two and three tight ends at times. So, I think you're seeing in the last five years a resurgence of tight ends and the importances of tight ends. Um, And you know, you can go with the you know some of the top guys like Kelsey and um, the guy in San Francisco. Yeah. but yeah, Kittle, and then but look at even at what happened with Waller this year, um, okay, and, yeah, and then in and up in uh, Cleveland they had uh, two or three tight ends that really contributed. Even here in in uh, at uh, the the Cardinals they had some tight ends contributing. So no, I Arnold, think,
2: Dan Arnold, Arizona, yeah, great.
3: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So I'm just saying like you're seeing the tight ends being a priority, and it's a lot because what Peyton Manning figured out. And filler figured out years ago, safeties aren't your best cover people. And tight ends are bigger people that can run in routes and get uncovered. And it's hard for a corner to cover them and because of the body and they get pushed off on and they can't um, work around physically on them.
0: Mm-hmm
3: but then yeah, the this the safety skill set isn't one where they can cover the tight end so by having a 12 personnel of, a good 12 personnel grouping they really put your offense in a good situation cuz you can run the ball more effective with 12 personnel and you can throw the ball really effective with a good 12 12 personnel grouping so for me i don't think i think if you have legit first round talent like a Pitts this year it's not a luxury that's actually a weapon that people are going to want to go after and go get
2: Absolutely. No, I, I agree completely. I, I think, you know, like you just said it, Kyle Pitts, dude, like that guy's a, that guy's a difference maker. You call him whatever you want too. like, he can do some wide receiver things too, but like tr- you're telling me Travis Kelsey is, is just a luxury. Like that's your best offensive player probably. So, you know, I, I yeah. feel like, I feel like, it, you know, those rare guys at the top, I mean, there's some mismanagement of draft picks. Like there always is like, you're going to miss at points, but like, is any team in the NFL not going to take a, a impact tight ends, like I well, think that. That's think about
3: great. think about if like the if the San Francisco 49ers did take Pitts, right, and they put them with Kittle, and now yeah. you have what they used to have when they had Vernon Davis and they had um uh, uh Vernon Delaney, and the, Delaney Walker Delaney, Delaney Walker, yeah. yeah, yeah so go. now you got two tight ends
2: that are stretching the field and giving you problems, and you have it in, in Kittle and Pitts, right? Yeah, throw throw Pitts in the slot too. Let Kittle work in line, like. There you go. So your mind's working it. That's what I'm saying. Like, so, you know, I mean, tight ends are not luxuries. They're still very much sought after weapons. I agree completely. Last question from Alec Polito. He wants to know a few day three linebackers that we think could make an impact. So one guy that I've liked for a while, going to put him out there. Garrett Wallow, TCU linebacker, former safety who bulked up this year to about six foot two, 235 pounds or so? My guy is an energizer bunny. He's a pretty smooth athlete. He's got some solid hips. He can change direction. He's got that safety background a little bit. There is just, he has a very good, uh, very uh, great understanding of where to be on the football field. He's always in a, pro- in a proper spot. He's not, for me, a guy that I would say like, is maybe a three-down player all the time at the next level, at least early on in his career. But he reminds me of like an A.J. Klein that played with like the New Orleans Saints. I think he might still be on the Saints, maybe on the Panthers now. But he's just a solid contributor that I think can make an impact. And I think that he's going to be a little undervalued in this draft just because there it is a deep linebacker group. So you're going to get some guys on day three that are going to be excellent football players. And then a different... Archetype. I want to throw out real quick, and we'll get out of here. Last guy. I'm cheating a little bit here, David. Cheating a little bit. Okay. This isn't an off-ball linebacker. This is a rushbacker in a three-four. Okay. I'm getting him out there. Jeremiah Moon from Florida was a guy in the summer that I loved so much. Okay, because this kid is six foot five plus, two hundred forty plus pounds. He's got vines for arms, playing in that odd man front, playing at the rushbacker position. The light did not turn on for him this year. It did not turn on. I was ready for him to be that, you know, ascend to one of the more talented pass rushers in the class. It didn't happen. You know, the SEC had a reduced schedule. He was dealing with some injuries. It just didn't come together for him. But as as a fifth or sixth round flyer, I think this kid still has the potential to really develop. So Jeremiah Moon, who is a rush backer out of the University of Florida, I think is another nice guy. And then Garrett Waller from TCU for me is a guy that I really have liked since summer. So we're wrapping up here. Shout out to everybody for the mailbag questions. We'll be back again next week. Same time, same place, 830 Eastern on Tuesday. Make sure to follow like everything that we're doing here, not only at com, but also NFL Draft Bible, which we are now the official, official partner of Sports Illustrated and covering NFL Drafts for the site going to be g- kicking up very soon here. If, uh, if you aren't following us at infodraftbible.com, you definitely should. It's a great thing. NFL draft Bible also on Twitch with me and David Turner, again, I'm going to do some awesome film sessions that I can't wait to do. David, giving you the last shout out here before the out, before I hit this quick outro, anything on your mind, anything you want to put out into the universe.
3: I just want to say thanks to everybody. Who's, uh, you know, been supportive of Mavericks. think we're this is our only 24th episode and like Ryan knows, I mean it's just growing exponentially so quickly, and you know your support's the only reason it gets better and better every week. Uh, we really do hope you take advantage of our our expertise for your benefit. You interact with us more through the internet, through the social media you know it's the best career advice I could give you is like that was not around when I started eighteen years ago. There was no roads to people like me. 18 years ago that were this direct where you could DM me and all of a sudden I can get back to you within right. minutes. Um, you know, I wish I had that because I'm a very aggressive person and if I wasn't, I wouldn't be in this business. You can't wait for the opportunities to come to you. You have to go get them and do it. And doing it in the right way, you'll see people be appreciative of that. I can teach you those right steps. I can teach you the way to, be approach-, to approach everybody aggressively but still properly in a business way. So this way, you're leaving the right taste in their mouth when you when when they deal with you from the get go. So all I hope, it's so all I want to do, is give back a little bit to this game that has given so much to me in my life. And um, you know, if I can help one person this draft period get drafted, or one agent not make a mace- misstep, or one mom and dad get a better clear picture if their kid should go back to school, that's that's me doing my job. You know.
2: Yep, absolutely. And a part of the NFO Draft Bible Podcast Network. If you guys want to go give us a subscription, go like us on all your social medias, on Apple Podcasts. If you want to leave us a review, we would very much appreciate it. Make it five stars because you love us. Please do it. <laughs> We will be back again next week, 8.30 Eastern Time, Tuesday night, to bring you the new happenings in professional sports. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. I'm at Rise and Draft. David is at Nev underscore sports. We appreciate you all again. We'll see you again next week. Same time,
0: same place. Thanks for
1: listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mavs Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit mavericksportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mavs Sports Take.